Hey everybody, this is Nuggets in Verse. I'm your host, Philip Shear. I have long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, athletes, working folks, and anyone with a story to tell. I hope you find your nugget of truth or inspiration in this episode. All right, Eric. Hey, Phil. Thanks for uh, so. Thanks for coming up. Yeah. You uh, does, does it, do you feel like already that we're talking differently than normal because a, we're recording a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes me sound better, I guess. Then, uh, uh, but I do want to thank you. Like when I heard your first episode, and to know that I am now on the special bike uh, version of Nuggets and Verse. That's yes, that's pretty cool. So there's a obviously like I know a lot of people in the cycling world. So hopefully. Um, those are the episodes I can share over to, uh, Opal Wapu page mm-hmm. cause we still have a lot of followers on Opal Wapu. So, and, uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you made the trek up from Palo, Palo, yep. that's where you're at now. Yep. But I think this is the misconception mm-hmm. I had about, uh, open range. So you're right. the race director for open range. You, you created open range. Um, for some reason I just assumed that you lived in, Pratt, Kansas. Right, right. No, and a lot of people do. So it's a common, it's a common misconception. Um, I'm from Pratt, so and it's if someone was to ask me where my hometown is, it's still, it's that's where I say my hometown is. So I just happen to live in Palo now. Um, but yeah, Pratt's Pratt's my home. I've got family there. So um, so yeah, it's but it's common that people don't realize that I live actually up by Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So um, and then how long? Like so, at some point in your childhood, you mm-hmm. moved to Pratt, like. What? Right, yeah. So we <clears throat> we kind of grew up in in North Kansas City, <clears throat> and then um, before my eighth grade year, we moved down to Pratt. So I I spent really those to me anyways those formidable years of you know high school and whatnot in Pratt. And so um, you know it, it played a big role I think in my development just as a person and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. yeah, we moved down there. It would have been ninety five, ninety four, ninety four. Okay. So. I grew up in uh, like a really rural area mm-hmm. and there's def like when you hear uh, country songs, <clears throat> especially really stereotypical mm-hmm. ones, <laughs> there's a lot of those stereotypes that are, that are really true, uh, <laughs> about, um, you know, maybe a bonfire in a field or, <laughs> right. you know, you know, cruising around back roads or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that your, did it, you it have was, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. A, a buddy and I, um, uh, I, I think our parents maybe were naive, um, but they trusted us, and we really didn't have a curfew or anything. So, yeah, yeah we we got into not not trouble enough to <clears throat> excuse me to you know end up in jail or anything like that or or whatnot. But uh, yeah, we definitely had some some mischief times going on, and and yeah, it, small town, you know, it's you do little antics and stuff like that. Yep, it's um, yeah. I, I wish I think everybody should grow up in a small town. It, it really. Uh, you know, it gives you the opportunities to do things. Um, but it also, as you know, like everyone knows you. <laughs> so yeah. when you do mess up, you know, yep. everyone knows who you are. So it, uh, yeah, it kind of affects you that way. For sure. I, uh, I'm very like, uh, you know, I think very fondly on, like, I'm not one of those people who like lives in my childhood for mm-hmm. sure. But, but I, when I think of some of the things that we did to entertain ourselves, um, it's, for sure a different experience than most folks oh, yeah. that grew up in the city. So I think the worst thing I ever did, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> I've told a ton of people this, but I don't know. Well, uh, talking, you know, and never really got in a lot of trouble or did anything too crazy, but, um, we, I did may have sawed down a rival school sign. So, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so since we're, I guess since With we're a sh- handsaw. <laughs> so, so since we're sharing, I wouldn't say we got that bad, but uh, we had, um, I think there was a TV, and I felt, I feel really bad for this afterwards. And, and the guys, I mean, it's, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on this, it's, but it's been 30 years probably. So I think we're beyond that. And, um, but there was a TV appliance store on Main Street. And uh, we happened to have a, I don't know. It was like a watch or something, but it was also a remote control. And so we programmed it to the TVs and it was like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. And we turned all the TVs on, you know, <laughs> from outside and had them going and blaring and everything. And that was, that was probably the, uh, probably the worst thing I guess that we, <laughs> we did, but we drove back by and I felt bad at that point. Cause then I saw like the owner come back and like go oh, back no. in there and turn them all off. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure somebody called him at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night to, yeah. to turn all of his TVs off. <laughs> 
probably like, what is going I'm, on? Right. <clears throat> um, what was, uh, so graduating class, I'm just curious of how yeah. many people. <clears throat> so we had, I think, 110. Oh, okay. So in our class, yeah, our school was about 400 total, four to 450 total. And I think we had about 110 in my, my class. Okay. So it was, not, I mean, it was, it, you know, my wife went to a school in Johnson County that was, you know, 2,000 people in her, mm-hmm. her high school. So, you know, in my school, you knew everybody in your class. So yep. it was, it was kind of nice. The, uh, I had 35. Oh, That's wow. why I was oh, asking yeah, that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's something about, uh, like even even like in a in a small kind of community, mm-hmm. you still have like the you still have a little bit like of the cliques, like the the athletes right. and the maybe a couple skater kids mm-hmm. and and uh, the nerd. Like mm-hmm. you, you kind of have all those like same groups, but in in a small town, like all of those all of those kids are friends with everybody, yeah. Yeah. and like there's. The, there's a lot less barriers, it feels right. like. So I think that's set me up well mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in life, in a sense. Uh, yeah. I've never, I've never felt like I couldn't uh, interact with, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different types of people. So. Yeah, and you probably find, too, I think, you know, you, you overlap uh, into several of those groups. At least, you know, I played... First, definitely. I played sports, <laughs> but, you know, I was also in band and, you know, academic-wise. And so, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was ever really necessarily just in one... Mm-hmm. One group it just depended on the the activity of the day of the week at all, almost. Yep, it's kind of uh, there's there's a little irony there because I think maybe the reputation for you know small town is maybe a little backwards or behind mm-hmm. the times or even you know maybe a little closed minded. But there's that piece that I think people don't really think about. So where you do kind of you know because there's so few people, you're you kind of intermingle mm-hmm. um, amongst everybody. So definitely. Um, and I don't know if I want to go straight to open range, sure. Whatever. But uh, but why don't we? Sure, because it's it's what we uh, yeah. have in common for yeah. sure. Yeah. So open range, uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gravel race through. Um, what's the- so yeah? So the area is called the Gypsum Hills. Gypsum Hills. There's nice. there's actually about three <clears throat> different names for it. Um, so you have the Gypsum Hills, which gypsum is a mineral. Um. So you get Gypsum Hills or the Medicine Hills or the Red Hills. Um, those are about the three or the Medicine, yeah, yeah, Medicine Hills, Red Hills, Gypsum Hills. Um, those are about the three main terms that people will call the same mm-hmm. the same area. And so um, it, it starts in Pratt, and then one of the towns is Medicine Lodge, which kind of a funny story is when we first moved to Pratt. You know, I'm I came from from Kansas City essentially, and uh, hadn't really experienced much of a small small town. We live in the suburbs. And, and so I see this sign for Medicine Lodge, and I'm just thinking, like, is there a, you know, a Native American reservation down there? And that's their term for a hospital. Like, I didn't know it was actually the name of a, t- mm-hmm. a town when we first moved down there. And then, uh, yeah, shortly after moving down there, though, I, I, I did figure out that it was <laughs> actually the name of a town and not yeah. not, not a uh, mm-hmm. not an American Indian hospital down there. So, um, but yeah, what they what they found out was that gypsum in the water, the the the, the river that runs down through there is called the Medicine River, and that they found there was like healing properties, kind of like you guys have up here. Yeah, kind of a tie into Excelsior, <laughs> uh, and so that there was this these healing properties in the water. So like when um, you know when they would uh, get wounds from battle or, or on a hunt, um, they found the water to to help their heal their wounds faster, and so they called the area Medicine Lodge. What so, a crazy yeah. tie-in! Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very similar. I bet uh, you know in the times before modern medicine, mm-hmm. um, people were were looking for any type of sure. um, advantage or mm-hmm. um, cure for things that were in the natural surroundings. So probably a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's a real. It's uh, to me, it's just a really special place. I mean, it's it, it's not like anywhere else in Kansas. It's not. Um, it's not like the Flint Hills. It's not you know. It's uh, when you start out by Pratt, it's it's fairly flat and, and some undulating terrain. But when you get down to the into the Gypsum Hills, it's um, red canyons and buttes and mesas, and mm. and you got these white rocks that just kind of um, sparkle. Uh, and so I mean, you get just all these different colors, and, and then you get animals that you don't really see anywhere else. I mean, there's 
rattlesnakes down there and, and uh, roadrunners and porcupines and all these different types of, of uh, animals that, that live down there. So it's, um, I, could, I could see why the, the American Indians found it a very special place, and it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's uh, when I, I know when I sur- first saw pictures, probably the first year I did your race, mm-hmm. and I saw some pictures that you posted probably, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, that looks like uh, South Dakota or yes. something. Yeah, <clears throat> it's hard. To, you don't uh, you don't think of that as Kansas. No. So. Yeah, and and yeah, I've I've heard you know it's um, uh, Mars meets Arizona. I've heard you know different different terms like that. People will identify it as. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, you you don't think you don't expect that in in Kansas for sure. So in terms of the of the race itself as yeah. or the ride or. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that lend as far as um, riding conditions? Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the the roads down there are dirt roads. Um, there is some gravel, but you have dirt and then varying degrees of gravel, if you will. Uh, I like to call it the finest gravel around. By fine, I mean like sand. Like <laughs> it, can mm-hmm. get, it can get a little sandy. Um, I hate, I, I guess I hate saying that sometimes because it, a lot of people get, kind of turn off, turned off by that. Um, you know, it's not unrideable for the most part. There might mm-hmm. be a couple sections that, that, uh, depending on the year, um, they're a little more difficult, but by and large, it's not, it's not an, an unrideable, uh, course. There's not un- unrideable sections. So, um, you know, on the, on the 200 K, which ends up being about 128, 29 miles, um, you know, and that, that'll take you to, Almost all the, I mean, just they'll take it to really the, the heart of the Gypsum Hills. But um, you know, you may have a couple sections that are that are more thicker sand than than others. But by and large, it's um, yeah, it's it's completely rideable. And you're looking at about maybe four thousand feet of climbing. In, okay. In that, in 100, 130 miles. So um, you know, nothing about average for what you'd find for most most races that that length. So. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we did this, uh, started doing the podcast mm-hmm. today, we went and did a ride um, up here. Um, about every quarter mile or so is a house. Yeah. So um, is is that <laughs> similar? I always, you know, kind of when I follow yeah. like Mid-South, uh-huh. um, I envision Mid-South as like this like vast expanse where there's hardly any houses mm-hmm. And then uh, somebody told me, like, oh, no, it's just like it is mm-hmm. here. There's a house every quarter mile. Is it similar to that, or is it a little more barren? No, it's a, it's a little more remote. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have stretches that, um, in fact, cell service is, is hit or miss. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, – it is some of the r- most remote areas of the state. Um, and the roads down there – and most of Kansas is set up on a grid, grid pattern. So every mile you have a north, south, east, west road. When you get down there because of the terrain, it it's just not possible to do that. So the roads down there are similar to the roads um, east of Kansas, like Missouri, like what you have here where the roads go to a specific place. Um, and so, yeah, which makes for some, like like your roads up here, I mean, make for some great roads because they're windy, mm-hmm. they're, you know, twists and turns and everything. So um, <clears throat> as far as houses, yeah, there, there's, there's some stretches where you'll go miles and miles and not – not see a house. And then um, the other kind of cool thing, if we'll get into this, but um, is we have this year, I think we'll have about 22 miles of, of private ranch land that we use. And, and that's kind of how we came up with open range is because uh, one, there's, there actually are signs down there that tell you it's open range. So you'll be on a public, on a public road and you'll have cattle uh, right up next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cattle guard crossings or call auto gates that you drive over that keep the cattle on the specific, you know, property, but, um, that property owner owns both sides of the road. So they just let their cattle run. And so, so not only on the private ranch lands, could you run into some cattle, but you could also run into it just on, even on public roads down there. But yeah, there's several, quite a few stretches where you will not see a house for, for quite a while. So that's like a special, really like a special part about mm-hmm. open range. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a few other races mm-hmm. that uh, that kind of do a similar thing, but uh, you're gonna get to come down and ride an area that you just you frankly can't ride any other time except for on the the day yeah. of the race. So right. that's pretty 
you know, special one day yes. access uh, to these to these roads. Yeah, and we've been we've been really fortunate with our landowners that um, they've allowed us to to have this permission, and so we 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 don't take it for granted because you know we know any year a landowner could be like, nope, I'm done. You guys, you know, um, I found all these wrappers or bottles all over the place, and and I don't want that. And so um, it's been great. Our riders every year are super respectful. They they you know take their trash out with them. Um, you know, there might be a bottle that gets ejected here or there, but by and large, um, one of our big landowners down there, he, he always <clears throat> goes through the course afterwards and, and sweeps it. I think one year he kind of joked, he's like, yeah, hey, I found a, I found two, uh, two gel wrappers and a, and a water bottle. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, no, that's really good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if that's all it was, like, I'm sure they were just trying to get something and it fell out of their hands on a bump. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> How many different landowners are you working with down there? Oh, so we've <clears throat> got about seven or eight different ones. Actually, probably wow. closer to 10. I've got one, one gentleman who he, he runs about almost 10 miles worth of private land that we run on. So he's probably our largest single landowner. He has about a thousand acres down there, um, and then there's another guy I work with that he manages a, a lot of the ground as well. So he helps kind of helps me out in getting the permission from from those actual landowners. But yeah, there's and you there's basically three sections of private ranch land, but on on that last section there's you know four or five different landowners that 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 route goes through, and you would never know it because it. It's just you go over an auto gate, uh, cattle mm-hmm. crossing, and you're on the next property, and you don't necessarily know you're now on somebody else's land. How did you propagate all those relationships and <laughs> connections? That- yeah, that was the hard. That was really the hard part. So, um, so to back up, I was uh, in 2017. Um, I was deployed to Kuwait, and I had kind of some time on my hands, and and um, I had. I'd actually started running, and I thought I was going to get kind of involved in into like um, at least half marathon, marathon type of of running, and and I hurt my knee uh, pretty bad. Uh, I still don't know what what happened to it, but um, it was enough to where I, I couldn't really run. And I had some X-rays done, and they're like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't like choose running as a as a sport. Like you you've already got arthritis and stuff forming." So so I <clears throat> I looked at um, at bikes, and I was like, "Okay, well." you know, what if I got gotten involved in bikes and should be easier on my knees. And so, um, so while I'm over there, um, I looked, I was like, well, what if, you know, I, I really liked the Gypsum Hills. I was like, what if I did a, a, just a ride, a personal ride from Pratt down, there's a place called Sun City that has a, it's got like a bar and a church. That's the only thing in this mm-hmm. town, a bar and a church. And, uh, and I was like, what if I just went down there, uh, got a burger, uh, and then came back? And then the kind of what if thing, you know, kind of mm-hmm. as I'm sure you probably experienced with yeah. Wapi, like, hey, what if, what if we did this? Okay, well, what if we did this? And then what if, you know, and you, when you don't have anyone to stop you, <laughs> your stuff mm-hmm. can kind of get out of control. And so, um, so I ended up looking at routes using a lot of Google Earth while I'm while I'm overseas, and uh, kind of coming up with what I wanted to do. And I did some research. There would there had been a race in the local in the, in the same area out of Sun City that they had ran for a couple years and then stopped. And so I contacted uh, the, the race director for that race and, and just asked him, Hey, you know, are you, do you have plans on doing this again? Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he goes, no, uh, not really. If you want to do something like go for it. I said, okay, I, I kind of have some ideas. And uh, he actually put me in, in contact with the, uh, the Red Hills rancher. Um, and so that kind of connection right there just kind of then led to everything else. I got, uh, I can't remember if I emailed him first. I think I might have emailed Brian, the Red Hills rancher. And, um, yeah, I just went from there. He was super positive. He was super like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we can use, use our land. And, uh, he has been, and he's a guy that you would not expect. Like he's not a cyclist. Um, he is, he's a really cool guy though. I mean, he, uh, he's got a long beard, but he is, he is all for it. He's all for, and he's all for, um, protecting the natural resources that he has. He, he gets into kind of regenerative ag and, and ranching. I guess it is more than, than ag because it's just cow, you know, cattle. Um, and so he's all about kind of protecting the natural resources that they have because in, in that area, it's, it's very dry. Um, they get very little rain. And so to manage a herd uh, of cattle, 
you've got to really do do things right and to do it without um, you know, tearing up the ground and, and everything like that. And he's uh, he's really on top. I mean, he's he's kind of like old school meets new. I mean, he's got you know cameras. He's got automatic uh, hot wire gates that that go down and the cattle can move over to the next section. He's I and mean, it's just yeah, it's amazing to watch him run his operation down there. But yeah, he he kind of got um, he was the first landowner that we got, and then. Um, and then I would ask him because he's just he's been in that area for for a long time, so he knows all these other people. And so I I look at a map, I'm like, hey, do you know who owns this? And he'd tell me. And uh, so then I just make phone calls. And so it was a lot of just making phone calls and asking, you know, hey, can we do this? And I got some no's. Um, I mean, there's some roads that I would I would love to use that um, that the people are like, no, we don't want to we don't want to do that. So, um, but the roads we do have are are pretty cool <laughs> yeah i remember having some conversations different folks um i think our first year um out in now i can remember the name of the town it was a little town about the halfway point mm-hmm. there's a little convenience store there and i like called this convenience store every day for like a month <laughs> trying to find the owner because i wanted to do our our halfway point mm-hmm. there and i wanted um riders crew to yeah. be able to park there right and meet uh and meet their riders but I didn't want to just suddenly have, you know, 25 or 30 cars in mm-hmm. their parking lot. And it's not even really a parking lot, uh, Harden, mm-hmm. out in Harden. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually I, I got a hold of her. And it took a while for me to, to, to um, like, really convey uh-huh. what it was we're doing. Because <laughs> it just it probably didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, well, we're doing, you know, we're, right. like, all these people are going to ride their bikes and gravel roads and you're kind of the halfway point and people are going to meet them there and resupply them. And I'm like, we're going to, it's going to give you some business. And yeah, but, uh, there was a few of those, uh, like kind of awkward conversations. I think I had one with the, the, uh, County commissioner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you start a bike race, you're like, does someone have to say it's okay right. or do you just <laughs> do it or, right. you know, so I was like calling up, uh, you know, the sheriff's department, uh-huh. I was calling the fire department and I'm like, who do I call at the county? I like called the courthouse. I'm like, do I need a permit for this? They're like, uh, no. no. <laughs> so finally I called, I think a county commissioner and mm-hmm. this gentleman is, uh, I don't remember his name. Um, and I'm not being disparaging mm-hmm. in any way, but there was, he had this like just great accent that was just like well son uh i suppose i suppose you can ride bikes on the road uh it's you know speed limit's 55 though so you know be careful and that was pretty much yeah. what he said but he's like he's like uh, it's up to you he's like you don't you don't have to do anything yeah so i'm like all right that's that's yeah the, the great thing with with pratt um and, and really the reason I wanted to use that is kind of the, the start-finish line. It was um, <clears throat> having grown up there, uh, I still knew a lot of people uh, there. So it was almost like, I mean, every every person, like you said, you know, you check all these uh, with all these places. And when I was doing that, I was like, oh, you know, I went to high school with that guy. You know, he was a class ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this other guy, like I knew his, his kids were like right behind me in high school. Um, so I knew him. You know, so every, like at every opportunity for someone to say no, they kept saying yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that, that's when it was just like, oh, okay, well, I was looking for a sign to tell me not to do this. <laughs> so you guys are just like making this too easy now. So, yeah, um, yeah everywhere I, I, I looked for um, help or questions, it was all like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you know, and, and I've seen other races when I've talked to race directors where, yeah, they have to get a permit or buy a permit. And it's just like, I mean, the small towns are like, wait, you're going to bring people in to our small town? Like, mm-hmm. why would somebody charge money f- for that to happen? Like, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I mean, you call it progressive or whatever, but like, you know, for, for a town to realize like the amount of, uh, of money of, you know, riders coming in and, and staying in a hotel and, you know, going to restaurants and all of that, like, you know, the, the town realized like, Oh, this is going to be great. Not only not only them coming in and spending money, but just you know, even just the town people, the, the citizens of that town, to see, hey, people come from all over the country, you know, to to just come out to then see our town and and go ride these roads. So, um, so yeah, it's been it's 
every it, yeah, like I said, every every chance there was a, an opportunity for someone to say say no, it they just kind of kept saying, yeah, okay, we, we, if we can do that, yeah, we'll help you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the the impact on of these uh, these gravel races, this is like mm-hmm. is significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> it really is. Um, the Exactly what you said um, with, you know, they're buying gas or eating in restaurants. They're staying in Airbnbs or mm-hmm. local hotels. And the median income for uh, for a cyclist is actually quite high. Yeah. I remember seeing that number and I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> like cyclists are doing okay. Right. And uh, so that was always like a, like a stat that I would throw mm-hmm. around. Um, like, like, you know, the folks that are, that are coming, like, I think, you know, my worry was that the mm-hmm. perception was going to be like there's going to be a bunch of 22 year olds like right. like just like coming in town and like ripping Crashing things up <laughs> <laughs> like no it's not that at all the it's going to be like the middle aged men yeah, <laughs> like gonna be, it's going to be like 40 <laughs> to like 65 right that's who's going to come to town yeah <clears throat> yeah and i've had the, i've had that conversation with with landowners before of you know, they hadn't really done anything like this. And so they hadn't seen this. And so, you know, I've had the conversation with, no, it's not like Tour de France where there's not cars following all the riders. Yep. We, don't, we don't, don't allow that. And then, yeah, some of the landowners are like, oh, these people, you know, are they going to see something on my property and, and want to steal it? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like these, these people are not like that at all. They're, you know, these are <clears throat> everyday hardworking people um, that like to do, do hard things and they – respectful and and yeah you're not getting in there yeah most of them are between the ages of 40 and 65 so um yeah you're not gonna worry about our riders trying to trash everything and and whatnot yeah i think one of the worst the worst uh feedback we ever got was um unfortunately there was a bit of a like a like it was our first or second year there was a thread on facebook on the kind of local page that got a little out of control and uh it was it was honestly just like three or four people, mm-hmm. but they were going back and forth constantly. And I was trying to stay out of as much as I can, just like let them talk about it mm-hmm. without my interjection. Eventually I kind of like very gracefully stepped in and tried to quell some of their concerns. But I uh, had one, one resident that said, you know, Hey, I moved to the country so that I could be away from people. And now there's going to be, you know, a hundred cyclists in my front yard. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, no, there's not. Uh, no. Like, if you have a good shade tree, right. possibly. Right. There might be like one or two, but but you're good. No right. one's no one's no one's gonna come and steal yeah. out of your yard and right. mess with you and knock on your door. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we've I've had <clears throat> we've had some you know, a couple comments from from kind of some locals. Nothing thankfully nothing too negative. Um you know, we had one that wanted us to to mark like with signs every single road that that rider was going to be on. And, and I had to kind of have a conversation with him and, and tell him, well, no, we're not going to do that. Um, because, well, one, like the speed limit on those roads, on the dirt roads are like 30 miles an hour. So if, you, if you're driving too fast to not be able to see and avoid a cyclist, then you're, you're going too fast. And so I kind of had to explain that. Like, and, and, and what happens when then a cyclist rides those roads on a non-race day? Sure. Like if you're expecting there to be signs every time you're going to have a cyclist on these roads, then that's – you know, kind of setting yourself up in a bad spot. So, um, so yeah, we, I kind of had to have that kind of conversation with, with the person once. There's a few times, uh, that that's come up and I always use the example. Um, when I was a kid, my grandparents lived a half mile down the road and I would ride my, at five years old, Mm -hmm. I'd ride my little BMX bike Mm -hmm. down to my grandparents, like Mm -hmm. almost every day. And so I'm like, okay, Keep in mind that, you know, it could be, you know, it could be the neighbor kid riding his bike right. down the, down the, down the gravel road. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, you should be careful anyway. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. you should um, kind of keep your eyes peeled for yeah. sure. Yeah. So when yeah. is open range this year? So April 29th, we actually have a, uh, for the last couple of years, we've been doing a, a bike packing version as well. And so, uh, so it'll start on Friday, April 28th. And then the main race is April 29th. And so, um, for that bikepacking version though, they will, we've, we kind of, I, I want to make it accessible to, to everybody. Uh, I knew after the first couple of years, uh, there was a lot of people that would ask me about like the pictures I've been posting and, and Hey, is that on the, is that on the 100 K course or is that on the 200 K course? And most of them, like I say, are on, uh, 
or on the 200K course. And so I'd tell them that and like, oh, okay. And so um, not to say that there's not some really cool places on the, the 100K course, but I would, I, I realized that, hey, there's, there might be some people that just don't feel like they can do 130 miles in, in one go, but still want to see it. So, so we, open, we opened up this bikepacking version, but we said, hey, if you don't have the bags um, or whatever, like that's not, a, that's not a showstopper. Like if you have a, a 10-pound tent and a you know, five-pound sleeping bag, like so what we'll allow them to do is the day prior, they can take all that stuff uh, to the guest ranch that they, they're going to stop at, and that's about 70, 80 miles in. And so they can drop all that stuff off ahead of time and then come back and, and do – do the course and then pick it up afterwards. So, um, so it really makes it accessible to everybody and then they can see the whole course over two days. So, um, so there's that. And then, yeah, then this year on the 29th, we're always, uh, the last, basically the last weekend, last Saturday in, in April. And so, um, 29th then, um, uh, is when the, the 100 K and the 200 K will race. And, and, um, yeah, they'll, you know, the average, I think we had our winners one year did it. I mean, they had like a 20 mile an hour average. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, like I said, people get, you know, concerned about the sand, but like, hey, I'm telling you, like, if our, if our winners did it at 20 miles an hour average and going through essentially a mountain bike course on this, then like, it, it can't be that bad, you know? So whatever you hear, it's not as bad as, as what some people may tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Well, and you're, you're going to go ride somewhere that's like really unique. Right. <clears throat> it's not going to be, you know, like the roads around here, mm-hmm. like are beloved. Mm-hmm. You know, I love them. Um, but uh, but you're gonna ride a lot of gravel races that have the type of gravel that we have mm-hmm. here. You're gonna have you're gonna experience something really mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. at open range. Yeah. is what I expect. Yes. So. Yep. Yeah. What are uh, so as a race director mm-hmm. on race day? Mm-hmm. This was a question <laughs> I was thinking about for you, Mike. Yeah. Because. Because I've kind of bounced all over the place with Opal Wapu. Uh-huh. Like, what, like, what does the race director do on, on race day? Yeah. Obviously a lot. Oh, gosh. But uh, what's, like... Yeah, I don't think... See, I don't... I think people don't understand... I know you do, mm-hmm. but I don't think people understand how, how much time and effort a, a race takes, at least to put on a, you know, uh, a, a high-quality type of event, one that you're, you know, um, you're trying to make look professional. And not to say that you know, other ones don't, but it, it just, yeah. Um, I usually go down, so I go down the week prior since I'm not, I don't live down there currently. So I go down and I'm, I'm down there the whole week and I probably put in 12 hour days, um, that whole week, um, meeting with, you know, different, uh, city departments on, uh, making sure we have barricades and electric boards off of the, uh, off the, uh, streetlights and stuff like that. Um, making sure the, you know, the, trailer for the stage that we're going to use is set up and, and, and everything. And so, um, at marking, we mark uh, part of the course on the, on the private land because it is like some trails and some, uh, some areas that aren't, uh, well-defined. And so, so yeah, that's all going on the week prior. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> I've tried different things on, on race day. You know, people have asked, Oh, do you ride your own race? And I, and I've, I've seen other races where not, not necessarily in the cycling world, but I was into kayaking, uh, before this. And I've seen races where the race directors actually competed in the race too. And, and for me, that's just not the kind of, I didn't feel, and not to say that I, I tried to micromanage. I just, I just couldn't, I didn't feel like that was my spot. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I need to be accessible. Um, especially in, in Pratt, like, again, there's no bike shop in Pratt. There's no, I mean, there's not a huge bicycle community in Pratt. They don't do weekly rides. They don't, you know, the, the volunteers we got from the Pratt Public School Foundation, um, which are they're just amazing people, but they don't know anything about bikes. So, like, I felt like I needed to be accessible uh, and, and couldn't, I'd love to be able to, to ride it. Um, and maybe at some point I'll pass it off to somebody and, and go ride. Um, but uh, I just, I don't feel like I'm, I'm there yet I, mm-hmm. I should say and then but yeah um you know so we we get there early for check-in um making sure the volunteers know how to do the check-in part and then um it, it and what's funny too is like i'm i'm really an uh an introvert like i i don't not to say i don't mind 
having these kind of conversations, sure. but I don't get energy mm-hmm. from it. I'm not, I'm not looking for a party, you know? So, so, which is, it, it's a lot of, uh, I think race day is like my dreaded, most dreaded day of the year. Like, cause I just know how much energy is going to zap from me. And so, um, I like it. I mean, I still have a good time, but it's just, it's just so draining. Um, trying to kind of, I don't want to say put on a show, but you know, be this, um, outgoing person and, and talking to everybody and trying to remember faces. Cause I, you know, they've been to the race for four or five years now and, and, uh, and they know who I am, but it's like, yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. You're in. <laughs> so, you know, trying to do all that, uh, a check-in and, and I think that's what's still, what's great about, you know, these type of grassroots type of events is that it's still very personal. Um, you know, that connection to the race director and, and volunteers and, you know, riders come in and they, talk to the guy that designed the course and who's, you know, done the marketing. And, and so, uh, so yeah, we, you know, we kick everybody off around eight and, um, I kind of get a lull for about an hour or two. Um, and then it's like, okay, there's, you know, the, the short course should be, you know, the fast guys are going to be coming in pretty soon. And, and in that lull, I've, I have gone out on the course before, um, and taken some pictures and, and, you know, said hi to people as they've been going by. So, that's, you know, and that's fun to see them go through and, and have a smile on their face. And especially people that come from, from, you know, all over the country and like, oh, this, this is great. Like, this is, you know, and usually they say that on the first ranch section. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is great, but <laughs> wait till you go see the rest. Like, yeah, yeah this is cool, but it's going to get better. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so we, you know, uh, I, I get back to the, the finish line as, as the 100K people come in and, I'm there to greet all of them as they, and that's been the big thing is I wanted to, I wanted to greet them as they, they come across cause they've done, you know, something hard. They need somebody there to, you know, give them a high five or, or a hug or whatever. And so, uh, I, so I tried to be there at the finish line and then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm out there until, you know, until the last rider, riders come in. And so, um, you know, and that could be nine o'clock, you know, at night and you're, you're waiting and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's, uh, Man, it's it's a long, <laughs> it's it's a long day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think of this last year. I was over at the airport at mm-hmm. three a.m. <clears throat> and then when volunteers and everyone else kind of started showing up, I remember just being like, "Oh, I'm not far enough along. <laughs> I'm not as far as I need yeah. to be." And I've been here since three, and I know oh, that man. I'm gonna be up till right you know, <laughs> at least at like eleven p.m. Yeah, by the time we tear everything down. Mm-hmm. It is a long day. Yes. The yeah. last, the, selfishly, the last mm-hmm. two years, um, I went out on course because uh-huh. it. We had the, we have this like uh, we had this really solid set of volunteers mm-hmm. and plus Stacy mm-hmm. and and uh, like I kind of learned figured out after a while that like the finish line is the most popular place mm-hmm. for a volunteer to yeah. be. Like it's right. It's fun as yep. people roll in and. <laughs> And uh, we're handing out bowl ties and things uh, like that. So <clears throat> I kind of figured out, Mike, they really don't need me here. Yeah. <laughs> and like my wife greeting writers coming in was better than me. <laughs> so, um, so I the last couple of years I I uh, I was out on course a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then you've I find that I like wind up helping people yeah. and, oh, and sure. maybe dragging people back yeah. or maybe just throwing somebody a, an extra water between uh-huh. aid stations or something and. That's, uh, that's been a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. No, and I, I could definitely, yeah, I could see, I could see where that would be, uh, that would, that'd be enjoyable. Yeah. What's been the, what's the coolest story from an open range? Oh man. Um, well, I would say, yeah, this last year, um, I had a writer, he actually has a, a YouTube channel, uh, back of the gravel pack. I don't know if you've seen that or not, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, he, uh, he, he listed, he had like the top, his top events or his top moments, I should say of, of 2022, I think it was. And, um, he was, he did the, the bikepacking version and those guys this last year, I'm telling you, like, I felt so, so bad for them. They had a, probably a 20 mile an hour headwind on, um, on Friday going to the guest ranch. And then as things do in Kansas, the, um, the wind changed directions and on Saturday. They had a 20 mile an hour oh, headwind no. coming back. So, but, um, but in the process of them getting to the guest ranch on the first night, um, 
I had a, a another great volunteer who's written the course numerous times, and um, he goes to the church in Sun City, and, and that's where our checkpoint is there. And and um, he had taken a, I gave him a cooler to take out uh, for the the bikepacking version, the tour route, and so he put this water cooler um, with all these water bottles uh, just off the side of the road, and we just hoped. Again, the roads are very very few people go down those roads unless you're a rancher that lives lives down there. So. We just kind of hoped that no one would mess with the cooler, and and um, and so uh, this rider, as his, his top moment of the year, he lists finding that cooler with the water, and, mm-hmm. and uh, as his as his number one moment, I was like, that's pretty cool. That's you know, just things happen to work out where the volunteer you know took it, and he goes, it was in the most perfect spot. Like I was out of water, still had another fifteen miles to go, and was trying to figure out like how I'm going to do this, and then they ran ran in this cooler, and I was like, that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that to see people just, as we talked about on the ride, I mean, just see um, that sense of accomplishment, you know, when they finish uh, finish something like this. Either they've never never ridden their bike that far or because of the, uh, you know, conditions like just, you know, tough, you know, Apu Apu's got, you have the hills here that, you know, just crush your soul sometimes. And so, you know, for people to, to finish something like that and know um, – you know, have that sense of accomplishment and you can just see it on their face. Like that's a, it's a cool feeling to, to watch somebody go through that emotion. And, um, I want to say it's maybe the second year, <clears throat> second or third year. Uh, and this, this rider who's, <clears throat> I recognize him from, from previous years. And, uh, he came across the finish line and I think he was, I, I don't think he knew what emotion he was supposed to experience, but he knew like he didn't want to be around his family at that point. <laughs> like he had, he had just given everything out on the course and was just so spent, you know, he didn't want, I don't. And so I think he just like gave his wife, like, you know, just told her to, to stay back for a second. And he just, you know, collapsed down by, by a tree. And, and I went over to check on him and make sure he was okay. And, and he was, but yeah, he just, he just needed a moment to like collect himself. And, and, uh, and that was, that was probably pretty a pretty powerful moment to see see this guy and just know that yeah he gave everything out on the course that was that was pretty cool yep so. um all right so there's something i so i kind of want to tie this in so bear with me here so when it comes to endurance sports when it comes to um just doing like really hard and difficult things yeah um like i i am not uh like I'm definitely not the person you should come to 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 learn the secret the secrets mm-hmm. to life. Mm-hmm. But um, most definitely, like when you do something when you do something hard, do something mm-hmm. difficult, um, and come out the other side, there's you know there's something like very primal there that yeah. that uh, just puts you in a better position. Mm-hmm. It it kind of lines your life out. It it helps you tackle the next thing mm-hmm. and the next thing and the next thing. Like it seems to me like, man, when you see people, when you see people do this on a bike race, mm-hmm. um, it's a bike race, right? right. Um, it, it's, it's a cool thing, right. but it's it means nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's really impactful. Right. So you're somebody who's done, I w- would imagine mm-hmm. some really hard things, mm-hmm. um, with your military service. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been like a catalyst or a natural like progression into, um, like the, these endurance events that you've done? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, being, you know, being deployed overseas, uh, you know, is, is not, it's not an easy thing. It, and most of it's mental, you know, um, I've never, you know, I've, I've done, um, uh, you know, flown in places that, you know, it's difficult, but, uh, by and large, the majority of my, my deployments, I mean, I'm staying in a, in a place with a bed and air conditioning and, you know, I don't have it. I didn't, I never had it that bad. Um, and for those who don't know, I, I fly helicopters for the army. And so, um, it's not as good as the air force, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's still, it's, it's better than uh, I think anyways, than, and, like being a ground guy or, or whatnot, we've, we've got a little, probably a little bit better. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, I don't know that that set me up for it. You know, when I got into endurance sports, I'd come off active duty. I'd, we'd moved back to Kansas city and, um, I saw a, a news article about the, um, 
the MR340, which is a kayak race from Kansas City to basically St. St. Louis, St. Charles area. And I was like, oh, that looks that looks pretty cool. And I wanted something to stay in shape. Um, you know, in the military, we had you know PT that we do. Um, I wouldn't say daily, but occasionally. <laughs> and so uh, I wanted something to you know to join in. And so um, so that's how I kind of got started in endurance sports. And, and um, yeah, it's it, it kind of went from the kayaking then into into cycling. And you know, I never knew really until this last uh, this last race, like why why am I doing this, right? Why am I getting mm-hmm. into, why, why am I putting myself through this? Um, it's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, um, and, and so like, it, it really took, I don't know, it, 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 I guess it really took until this, this last 400-mile this last race I did that I was like, you know what? At the end of it, I was like, I guess maybe, and I was going to save this for your, your nuggets and verse, and so maybe I'll say it, say it again then, but, uh, you know, maybe the reason... I do this is is to quiet those voices in my head. You know, the, the ones that say you're not good enough, you're you don't have the the fortitude to get through this. Um, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And so, yeah, it, you know, it's just like any other race. Yeah, it's a race. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean anything in the scheme of things, right? Um, we're fortunate. We've got you know, I've got a job. I can take time off. I can you know uh, have a, a decent bike. I can you know. Um, you know, pay for a hotel when I go, when I travel to an event. Uh, not everybody's got that. Um, and so, yeah, does, you know, does this mean anything? No. Did I get anything for finishing, you know, for, you know, not really. Um, so yeah. So why, and people ask that, why, why do you, why do you do that? You know, and who was it that said, oh, you know, why do you cr- climb was it K2 or whatever, or Everest, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's there, you know, why do you, why do you sign up for these races? Oh, cause they're there. But, you know, really, I think, and I've had several races where I've wanted to quit. This this last race, I wanted to quit almost every minute. <laughs> it seemed mm-hmm. like, you know, but but, and I didn't find this out until till after kind of leaving and and, and um, driving back was that I think the reason, yeah, the reason that I did this or that I kept going was just to kind of have power over those those voices and uh, to tell them I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to that negativity. I guess so. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if that really answered, <laughs> answered the question, but we kind of went down that way, I guess. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, um, you know, well that, and I, if people follow, um, we have a newsletter, uh, sign up for the race that, you know, I put out, uh, basically I summarized this, this, uh, this last race I did into so many words, but, um, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it may not work every time. It worked this time for me, it, you know. That's why I finished. Um, you know, hopefully, if if people are out there listening, they they have those questions of why, you know, why am I doing this, and and you know, they want to quit, and maybe it's you know, maybe the only reason, and hopefully, it's good enough for you is to yeah, just quiet those voices in your head. But yep. There's uh, there's levels to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. um, I think s- some people get caught up in the idea that that this hard thing that you're going to tackle that you, mm-hmm. that you have to succeed. So, Hey, if there's a chance I can't succeed, let me not even, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not even gonna, to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, there's a little backwards thinking. Yeah. But, and when I think about a lot of races that have, um, have finisher medals mm-hmm. or like, Hey, like in order to get this thing, mm-hmm. you had to finish. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this last year, I, I thought about that and I was like, if if you gave it a go, like mm-hmm. please, like right. please take a bullet tie. Yes, like, yeah, like I don't yeah. care if you finished. Like right. you showed up and right. you, and you tried to do something yeah. that was hard. And and oh by the way, you mm-hmm. got to have you know you got to have you know fellowship with yeah. all these other cyclists. Mm-hmm. You you maybe met somebody that you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what could happen, right? right? When you are yeah. doing this, you're all in. You've got this big group of people all like mm-hmm. working towards a common goal. So, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great, um, yeah. And as <clears throat> you know, kind of that, uh, that Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena, uh, speech, you know, um, you know, it's, it's at least showing up for the fight, um, that, that means something and not, you know, uh, I, and I can't remember the exact words, but you know, it's the person that just sits on the sidelines, you know, it hasn't really lived life. It's, you gotta, you gotta at least show up for the fight. You gotta at least show up for the race or, or you know, show up to the line. And that's, that's half the battle, right. Especially on, 
went on days like, you know, if, if it was about 20 degrees colder today in that wind and stuff like that, you know, to know you're going to be in for some hurting, mm-hmm. you know, but you still show up. And, and, um, and that reminds me of a, of a race, uh, it was last year. It was one of the Rage Against the Chain Ring races out of, outside of Wichita in Beaumont. And it was cold and it was windy. And the way <laughs> I didn't do a very good job at, at map recon, which I normally don't do on, on shorter races. And, uh, and those races are set up to do basically two 25-mile loops. And so I was just having a terrible time fighting the wind. And uh, I was like, I told myself, okay, you know, when I come back around, I'm just, I'm going to throw in the towel. And, and so um, so I came back around. Well, what I didn't realize is that it was like a lollipop design. So you, 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 drove, or you rode down, and then you did these two loops down, down south and then rode back north. And that that stretch was probably about five miles. And so, um, and so I'd, I'd already started the second loop before I realized it. And was like, Oh man, <laughs> now I'm already on this. I'm not going to turn around. Like the, the, I guess the embarrassment of turning at that point of turning around to yep. go back to the, mm-hmm. uh, the finish line was like, all right, I guess I'm going to finish this one out and, and do the whole thing now. And I was, yeah, it was, one of those things where it's just like, uh, have you ever had any, uh, lost riders? We, yeah, <laughs> we, uh, first year we had a gal who went down a wrong road. I don't know how she took that road, but, um, she went down there and uh, a friend of mine was kind of sweeping the course. And I think he, he happened to, I can't remember if he saw the tracks go that way. And, um, and so but he ended up finding her. She was coming back, and she'd done an extra, like, I don't know, five miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, uh, that was really about the only the only major lost rider. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, she had self-recovered and, and whatnot and figured out she was not going the right, the right direction. Um, you know, thankfully to, to modern electronics, most people yeah. have a GPS and, <clears throat> and, and can get themselves there. Um, Although this last year, like I had some people uh, come from a different direction to the finish line that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Our friend Matt being one of those uh, <laughs> guys, I'm just like, how did you? I, I don't even know. Like, okay, yeah, whatever. You, he's like, I, I went over. I, I rode actually more than your race. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're still getting the finisher. I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll count your time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've I think every year we've had somebody get lost, and there's been a uh, a few times at least a couple times mm-hmm. uh, where a rider has ridden like 120 miles or something <laughs> <laughs> just crazy. And then they finish and, and uh, like you, like, I'm like, do you DNF them? Or uh, like, I mean, they didn't ride the route, but right. Yeah. We had a, <clears throat> I think last year too, we had a guy that was on the 100 K course and he ended up, uh, they, so both courses do the first 35 miles together, and then at that checkpoint, they split. And he unfortunately took the 200K route. And um, and so I think he ended up he ended up getting the mile. I mean, he, he rode more miles than what the 100K riders would have ridden. And um, and then I think caught a ride back or something like that. And, yeah, he asked me, and I'm like, dude, yeah, well, your time will stand, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. get, like we just talked about, it's and at it, the end of the day, it's it, just a race. Yeah, right? and if you're you know outside what? the you're top right. twenty, What's like who who really cares? <laughs> yeah, I remember getting a call from a rider who was in uh, Richmond, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's the next kind of sizable town mm-hmm. down from Excelsior Springs, and our course did not go to Richmond, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um. Okay, well, <laughs> um, I think luckily your husband went and picked her up. Nice. But, um, man, we we always uh, our friend Ben mm-hmm. always like goes out and drives those routes and like with a fine tooth comb mm-hmm. and just like make sure that everything clicks and dings the way it does. It's the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But I think you know people have different devices, and I think whether you know Wahoo or Garmin, right. like, I think sometimes those routes respond a little differently mm-hmm. or something. And then if somebody <laughs> takes a wrong turn and then finds themselves back on the course, mm-hmm. a lot of times your device will will be like, oh, we found the course. Right. But you might be like rewriting 
a portion of it you've already ridden, <clears throat> or you might, you know, or it might be like the like there could have been a loop, mm-hmm. and now you're on the tail end of it, right? And now you're skipping ten miles, and so we, you know, we we always did a lot of due diligence, mm-hmm. but um, it, there's always like a, a casualty or two, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So you just did a race that was how many miles? So it was four hundred. <clears throat> it was supposed to be four hundred miles. Um, I, I, I tacked on a, about an extra five, I think. So I did 405 miles. And then how many hours without sleeping? Yeah. So by the time I woke up until the time I went back to sleep, we're probably talking about 42, 43 hours. So I, on the course, I was on the course for just under 39, I think. I think it was 38 and some change. So have you ever been awake for that long of a period of yeah, time? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. 45 about forty-five hours to fifty hours is about um, is about my max. So, um, and so the race we're talking about now was it was called uh, East Texas Showdown in, in Eastern Texas. Um, last last fall, I did a race out of Emporia called the Cannonball, Kansas Cannonball, and that's uh, five hundred and fifty miles. And so with that race, I think we finished in six, like sixty hours, uh, roughly. And um, uh, my friend Matt and I, we slept a total of like 60 minutes in that 60 hours worth of, uh, so we would take basically 20 minute, uh, 20 minute breaks. And so, um, yeah, we took three, three 20 minute breaks and it was, it was, it was interesting. It was, uh, I think the first time we stopped, there were a couple of foxes that uh, were in this like little, I mean, small town and, um, and people are like, are you sure you weren't hallucinating? And I'm like, no, I'm, I, these foxes are real. <laughs> these two foxes. I mean, we're, we're sitting on this community, uh, in front of this community center on these park benches, just um, trying to not, you know, not off for 20 minutes, just kind of get some, some energy back. And, I mean, these foxes came within a couple feet of us, uh, I guess trying to get, get our food or whatever we had on our bikes. But, I mean, they were just not scared at all, I'm trying to kick them off, you know, kick them away with my feet and um, – yeah, it was uh, one of the more funnier moments that uh, that I've had on a on a bike race. But um, yeah, the sleep thing is 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 difficult, um, and I, I wish I could say I haven't fallen asleep riding, um, <laughs> but I have. Uh, luckily, I've kept the bike upright um, the times I've done it. One time on Cannonball, I, I actually was in the grass, started into the ditch, and um, when I when I opened my eyes, and then. Uh, down in Texas, I was on a, I think it was a, basically a four-lane divided road through like a, a neighborhood. Um, so it wasn't super busy traffic, but um, I was in the right lane and kind of opened my eyes. And it was probably, this is probably one or two in the afternoon on the second day. And I opened my eyes and I'd kind of drifted. I hadn't gone into the left lane yet, but I, I was drifting further than the middle of the lane of where I like to be. And, and I opened my eyes and there's a truck going by me. And I'm just like, oh. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> let's not do that again. Are there any uh, tips or tricks to staying, staying awake? awake? You know, um, you know, I've, I've tried probably just caffeine for me. Like, yeah, I try and caffeine. Um, so that you know, with with the gels or um, you know, at a, at a gas station like a, um, a Starbucks uh, triple shot or something like that, you know, down down one of those. And that's that's usually kind of my go-to thing is I'll, I'll find like a, a Starbucks coffee or, or whatnot at a gas station and, and down that. Uh, and then, yeah, just if you have somebody to ride with, that, that helps. You can kind of talk back and forth a little bit. Um, but, yeah, other than that. And then just taking what we've kind of found out is, yeah, taking like this 20-minute naps um, help out, kind of give you a couple extra hours of, of uh, time where you're just not completely dead tired. So, yeah, but, yeah. I've had a friend who he actually finished in front of us at Cannonball, and he he actually would get a hotel room and, and stay in a hotel room for like three hours, and um, and he finished in front of us. So I don't know what like maybe that's a better strategy. I guess um, I just I'd be afraid like staying in a hotel like after three hours. Man, I wouldn't want to get up like mm-hmm. your comfy bed. Like it'd take a lot of willpower to. To get going again. I watched a Ram documentary mm. <clears throat> once, and uh, the one of the guys they were following, 
I think they had figured out something about like um, they'd figure out it was sleep or mm-hmm. like an exercise. How um, they didn't want him to sleep more than fifteen minutes. Mm. Or be off the bike more than fifteen minutes because something starts happening in your body okay. that like will just like shut you down. Uh-huh. So like there was like a you know like a timer like interesting. I don't know how yeah. <laughs> how true that is, but it looked uh, it looked excruciating. Yeah, um, I, I had more trying than, to fight through that. Yeah, I had more more stopped non moving time fifteen minutes at yeah. times. I mean we stopped at a Whataburger and and uh, I was probably in there for. 45 minutes to an hour, you know, just trying to eat something. And my stomach wasn't doing well on this, this last race. So, um, you know, trying to, trying to work through that issue was, um, was probably the biggest challenge. I'd say even more than, more than being tired. It was, was trying to get nutrients in, into my stomach. So, yeah. Well, we've been, uh, we've been talking for about an hour. Oh, wow. Anything, uh, Anything that uh, we didn't cover that? Uh... Uh, no, I, you know, um, I, I think uh, I, I, I like this platform. This is a cool, uh, cool area to, to have a, a conversation. And yeah. that's what's neat is just, you know, having conversations with people and what you got going on here. So, um, yeah, so I think, I think this is going to be a cool, cool podcast to, to listen to and, and having a good variety of, of people on and uh, appreciate you for let me uh, come on and kind of tell the story okay. of open range a little bit. Yeah. And, well, I, I mean, I super appreciative one. I mean, you live in Paola yeah. and you yeah. came to Excelsior Springs yeah. today. So thank you for doing yeah. that. When I set out to do this, I mm-hmm. was like, I want to talk to people in person. Yeah. And uh, look, I, uh, like, I'm not fantastic at mm-hmm. this yet. No, no, you're doing, you, I think <laughs> so, you're doing great. Uh, this is... um, but I'll get better. But yeah. uh, so th- I've, the like I told Mark mm-hmm. uh, on the previous podcast, like, thank you for, being a, somewhat of a guinea pig yeah. as I uh, kind of grow some comfort level with this. As I said in the beginning, uh-huh. like I could instantly tell, like, I am talking different. Why am I talking <laughs> different? Like, I'm not on the radio. Like, right. we're just sitting here. So, um, but yeah, the goal is to just uh, to just have a conversation. Sure. So, yeah. Um, so I'm super sorry that I won't yeah. be at open range. No, that's, that's tried, all right. <laughs> I, uh, I tried to get it off. I truly did. Yeah. Ah, we'll get I'm you bummed. down there. Yep. Um, all right, so yeah. uh, kind of how I try to cl- mm-hmm. close every every podcast is uh, share your nugget, and I yeah. think I kind of told you what that is. And yep. uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I was going to use the I guess the example earlier, but you know another one um, that I really tried to um, kind of relate to people, I guess, is uh, when when you're talking about change and making change, um, you know, is it doesn't have to be um, a huge, you, you don't have to make these, you know, big resolutions, these big changes, right? If you think about, um, you know, making small, and, and this goes, you know, down to almost anything in life of, of, you know, how we developed open range or, you know, if you're in a, in a company in a business or whatever, is making these iterative, iterative changes, these iterative movements, uh, towards a goal. Um, because, you know, when, when you do that, if, if something goes wrong, you haven't made a huge colossal uh, change. Um, but it also, you know, it can work for, you know, our fitness or, or whatever we're, we're, we're talking about is that, you know, if you make a small change, so you have, say you have two lines that are only a degree apart, you know, what, <clears throat> what you have working for you, those two lines as they, as they head across space and they're only a degree apart, right? The further they go, the more they diverge. And so, you know, once you've gone, you know, in our in this example, let's say you know, ten miles or twenty miles in, in time, or or just talk about time. So you know, ten days or, or whatever. Those two lines, which started out right next to each other, have gotten further and further apart. And so you know, these small, it, it doesn't take a huge change to get a, a big result. So just making a small change, but doing it consistently, right? If those two lines, if one stops, then it's not gonna you're not gonna make that change. But if they keep going, so they're consistent, you know, as, as they're going across time, uh, you're going to see those big results. So kind of the way I've, I've said it, uh, it sounds real fancy, I guess, but it's, you know, uh, small changes executed consistently net impactful results. So making just these small little changes, but we have to do it consistently. We have to, you know, um, you know, there's a book out there, make your bed or whatever. It's, you know, 
first thing you do is make your bed. You just do that every day to keep, you know, and we're not always the best at it at my house, but um, <laughs> we try. Uh, you know, definitely not in mine. <laughs> but so. but you you make these small changes. You know, whether it's whether it's riding your bike, you know, um, doing it on a daily basis, or you know, doing some exercise on a daily basis. You make these small changes. It doesn't have to be a lot, but you just execute them consistently, and you're going to see big results. So that would be, I guess that'd be my nugget. It sounds similar to. Uh, what my wife tells me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. sure, uh, and not to like uh, take from that, but um, I have a bit of a disease of, mm. uh, Stacy calls it uh, destination happiness. Mm. So I, I tend to like want to have all the ducks in a row and, mm. you know, and like um, before I'll move for- forward. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I just got to tell myself, like I just, just moving mm-hmm. forward yeah. is the, is the, is the trick. Right. Yeah, so, you don't have to have a 100% solution yep. in a lot of things. Yeah, you, you take what you get and then start movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes back to talking about military and, and uh, um, some of our uh, leadership principles in the military is, is starting movement is, isn't the final uh, step in the process. It's, it's about the middle. Um, so you, you collect things and then you start movement in that direction. And, and yeah, you, I think you can use that for a lot of different parallels Mm -hmm. in in life. This episode of Nuggets and Verse was recorded in the hayloft of our beloved Red Barn, just outside of historic Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Be kind and share your nugget.